So before we get to Nancy Pelosi tap dancing on Fox News Sunday yesterday, and she's a pretty good tap dancer for a woman her age. In heels. Say. In heels, no less. Spiked heels at her age. She turned 80 a couple weeks ago, remember. Tap dancing. Uh, before we get to that, there's kind of breaking news. So all across the country, you got these uh, anti-shutdown rallies that are happening if, with, with, with varieties of success and messages and crowds. But they're happening in different places across the country. And Facebook has just announced in some states you can't promote them. Can you read that to me, Sean? Uh, Facebook has said it uh, says it has removed promotion of anti-quarantine events in California, New Jersey, and Nebraska after consultation with state governments. Says it is working to get answers from New York, Wisconsin, Ohio, and Pennsylvania as to whether anti-quarantine protests break those states' social distancing measures. So the excuse they're using to censor the uh, promotion of these rallies is that by their very nation, I'm sorry, by their very nature, the rallies violate the social distancing rules of masks and six feet apart and no groups bigger than five or ten or whatever your local uh, you know, county is saying. So that's their excuse, although you know they were spoiling to do it. Because it is, oddly, in, in ways I can't quite explain, uh, well, I guess I can, a more a right-wingy thing than a left-wingy thing. So right, right, I get they're that. They're looking for an excuse. Does this, uh, does this have anything to do with the whole, we, we still haven't nailed down whether Facebook is a, a, a newspaper or not? It's, it's not. It's, well, please it's, don't ask them to censor, because they're so bad at it. It's the uh, it's the number one way to share information in the world, isn't it? Certainly in America, I believe it is. Yeah, um, yeah. And you can't share a message about gathering for political reasons, right? Because it violates our quarantine measures, which are uh, regulations issued by unelected bureaucrats. Well, this is a which tough may one. be a good idea, and and they may be fine. But come on now. This is a tough one. So is there any reason the, the government would weigh in on this? Because it's not a government entity. It's Facebook. It's Congress not stopping it. Or Although the governors are ordering, they're ordering a message service not to promote it. Well, so they, they come, I, I'm not sure you could use the word ordering. I think Facebook is literally looking for an excuse to censor this stuff mm-hmm. and got it. And the, the governments com- are saying, no, yeah, you're right. It violates our uh, regulations. But the competing rights, whether or not they uh, have standing here or not, the competing rights are the right to peaceably assemble mm-hmm. and to uh, you know come together with a, a political idea versus uh, government's ability to say, hey, for everybody's benefit, you have to do this, like you have to get immunizations or whatever. Right. One of the more dryly amusing signs I saw from a conservative woman was my body, my choice. I'm more afraid of poverty than the coronavirus. Yeah, the argument against that, I think, would be obviously be you uh, you get an abortion. That doesn't have an effect on a whole bunch of other people. It certainly has an effect on that one individual. Right. I get it. Uh, I get it. On the other hand... It's we as a society led by academics and politicians are way, way, way too quick to dismiss people's economic needs. But your point is well taken. I take I take your question. <laughs> I what? take you, your question and poop on it. You what? Um, so there's a terrific article in the WAPO about this whole thing, by the way, that is is informative and exposes media bias, and it's really good. We'll get into it eventually, but. There are three brothers who are 
promoting a lot of this stuff, and they're super hardcore pro uh, like Second they, Amendment. People. Like they have the same mom and dad brothers, or yo yo yo. No, no, they're siblings, Jack. Okay, um, and they're promoting a lot of these things, which is an interesting aspect of it. But anyway, uh, do it, do what you feel like you got to do. Right, wear a mask. So, uh, or, or don't. I don't know. I'm sick of this. I'm I'll, tired of this. I'll get. I'll get to. <laughs> I'll get to these numbers, or don't. Do or don't. Uh, wear a mask. I don't care. Or climb on top of the first person you see and lick their face. Do whatever you want. I'm tired of talking about it. I don't even care about me anymore. I sure as hell don't care about you. <laughs> That's hilarious. I do think that point will come where people kind of feel like that, and maybe we're already there. I don't care. I'm just going outside. I'm going to jump on the first person I see and lick their face. Try to stop me. <laughs> well, I got a one in, I don't know, ten chance of getting it. And then if I get it, I got a one in ten chance of really getting sick. So screw it. I'm going out. And depending on where you live, you may have already had it. So um, uh, right. there are some new polling numbers that are kind of interesting. People are liking Congress a little bit more, which you couldn't go down. Uh, you couldn't go down uh, from where we were, but they're liking Congress a little more. I'll, I'll hit those poll numbers. Um, but I just mentioned them because Nancy Pelosi is the Speaker of the House. Uh, she's the, the the top dog in Congress, and she was on. Fox News Sunday yesterday, and the reason I think this is entertaining, this is a really long clip, and I hope it's uh, I hope it's entertaining enough to justify its length. But it gets to the nonstop media fascination with when did you start taking this seriously? And if you had started taking it seriously earlier, Mister President, m- millions of lives have been saved. You have blood on your hands, and just. Every press conference, they get into this conversation, and I wish we could just, you know, let historians write about this when we're done. But Oh, yeah, and I've seen people essentially arguing that because I came to the truth three days before this other person, well, they do a touchdown dance. Yeah, They're like, oh, I knew. I'm the smart one. I'm the one. They're an idiot. And as, Come on. As Joe said earlier, the, the closer thing to reality seems to me is that everybody, to some degree, was slow to catch on to how serious this was, except for the people that say every disease is going to be a pandemic. They don't right, get the sensationalist credit. media. Right. <laughs> they don't get credit for always claiming this is going to be this. But um, So Nancy Pelosi and uh, Mayor de Blasio in New York were both promoting the Chinese New Year at the time that this virus was going on to try to make sure that uh, business was good. And they kept the Chinese vote in their city. <laughs> right. So uh, Chris Wallace plays a clip with Nancy Pelosi and then asks her about it and listen to her explanation for, for, for how this all went down. I think this is pretty good. You, as you are right now, have been very critical of President Trump, especially for what you say is the time that he lost initially in January and February in responding to the virus. But I, I want to point out that on February 24th, you went on a walking tour of Chinatown to try to promote tourism there. And here's some of what you had to say. That's what we're trying to do today is to say everything is fine here. Come because precautions have been taken. We think it's very safe to be in Chinatown and hope that others will come. If the president underplayed the threat in the early days, Speaker Pelosi, didn't you as well? 
No, what we're trying to do is to end the discrimination, the stigma that was going out against the Asian uh, American community. And in fact, if you will look, the record will show uh, that our Chinatown has been a model uh, of containing and, and preventing uh, the virus. So I have confidence in our folks there and thought it was necessary to offset some of the things that the president and others were saying about Asian Americans and making them a target, uh, a, a target of violence. Violence across the country, and set, in but, fact, but, some hate but crimes. But forgive me, committed. don't you think? Don't you think that you, when you're out walking without any masks, I understand this is February, not April, when this happened, yeah. and saying that there's no threat, it's perfectly safe there, weren't you also adding to this perception yeah. that there wasn't such a threat generally? No, I was saying that you should not discriminate against, discriminate against Chinese Americans as some in our administration were doing uh, by the way they were labeling the flu and that. No, indeed. And again, I think you, if you check the record and it's current, uh, you will see that our that Chinatown has been a model uh, wow. in all of this. And that's what we're saying. Look to them for answers. Don't look to them uh, to uh, place blame. She had a so little she, come on down. She had a little <laughs> swallow there toward the end where she was even having trouble with her own choking down her own bull bleep. Where she had just a little bit of a end up end up um and so uh you know discrimination and whatnot. So uh, that's why I said come on down to Chinatown in late February. So let's check the math here. You have a horrific pandemic started in China. Chinese nationals left China, came to the United States and spread it. And they're particularly clustered in one part of town. But allegedly there are people saying mean things about them somewhere. Therefore, to counteract that, you should come down and get you some. How about you just encourage people not to say mean stuff? Why do I got to go? <laughs> How is well, that the uh, the the countervailing force? Well, that was bull crap, but I thought oh, that was a please. I thought that was something. <laughs> Politicians are just unbelievable. Yeah. Uh well, you know they do they do what they do. I tell you what, why don't we all just do the best we can to figure out what the heck this is because as I mentioned a couple of times already this morning, nobody knows anything about this disease. The lack of knowledge is astounding. From the, uh, you know, the mortality rate to how it actually kills people, why some people get it a little, why some people die from it. There is, there are so many mysteries. Can we just work as hard as we can, straightening it out, getting everybody tested, figuring out how to revive the economy? We'll do the post-mortem, poor choice of words, maybe. We'll do the post-mortem as time allows. And then I say we all get together in November and vote on who we think ought to lead the country going forward. All right? And quit with the, he didn't figure it out till March the 3rd. Me, March the 2nd, I was all over it. What a load of garbage. It's not helping us. And we could dive into this poll more that came out over the weekend, because it's probably worth uh, checking in on people's attitudes. Maybe we'll do that at the bottom of the hour. But Congress is up 16 points, and this headline troubles me. Americans warm to a long-despised Congress after it sends direct help to millions. So once Congress starts sending out checks to people that we can't afford, necessary, but we can't afford, um, uh, then people are really liking Congress. and that's, uh... Well, come on, right? As we speak, they're holding out on aid for small businesses because the first round just it, it, it evaporated. It got used up in the blink of an eye. And they're holding out on getting more to the small businesses so they can load it up with more pork and, more, and grow government. 
That gets your approval? People are saps. Yeah, You're we'll, easy marks. We'll get in more to that poll later. Uh, how is uh, how are things going with you? How's the how's the, the 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 online schooling going? How's it being out of work? How you're running a business and you haven't been open in six weeks? How's that going? All that stuff available on the text line. I would like to hear it. Four one five two nine five KFTC. The Armstrong and Getty Show. If this insanity happens again, news sources have to rein it in. Everyone knows Corona is no walk in the park, because you literally can't walk in the park. But at some point, the daily drumbeat of depression and terror veers into panic porn. Enough with the life will never be the same headlines. Two weeks ago, Inside Edition said 76,000 in the world had died, so some are making comparisons to the apocalypse. The apocalypse? Really? Because most of us are sitting at home smoking delivery weed and binge-watching a show about a gay zookeeper. Yeah, That's good. that is worth mentioning. The The Spanish flu of 1918 killed 55 million people, something like that. Wow. It's 55 million across the world, and we're whatever we are. 80, of course, this 80, Spanish flu is a punk compared to communism, but go on. Yeah, 80,000 across the world right now. So it's not exactly the apocalypse. Um, uh, I like <laughs> Bill Maher's point. And, yeah, the uh, Mika Brzezinski on MSNBC in the morning, she can't do anything that doesn't have her I'm-about-to-fall-apart voice. Oh, God, I did. bothers and me so much. And then the president said, the latest numbers, the economy, 22 million people. She's just on the verge of crying, everything she says. And, oh, my God, get a grip, lady. The whole catastrophizing crowd, they've always existed. The Cassandras, as they say, those of you who are fans of the good book, or is that uh, Greek mythology? Nobody knows. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but uh, those people have always existed, but they were always kind of shoved to the side and sneered at. And and those who could, you know, confront a challenge and deal with it and perhaps triumph over it, those were more valued in a society than the whiners and the babies. And look, if you're a whiner or a baby, there's a role for you, but it's not out in front. Uh, we'll get into some of the poll numbers on a variety of fronts here in about, I don't know, five, ten minutes or something like that. Um, polling on attitudes toward Congress, attitudes towards those press conferences Trump does every day, attitudes towards a when we should open up or stay shut down and how many of uh, each uh, theory um, are uh, are popular right now. And also, uh, to what extent pro-gun activists are behind some of these protests around the country to open things back up. There's one family of pro-gun activists that have uh, organized several of these. So all that Mm -hmm. stuff coming up. So Kevin Williamson is a writer for National Review. I I love Kevin. I've said it many times. He was briefly hired by The Atlantic, then let go when their baby, whiny listeners protested that anybody to the right of Mitt Romney should ever be heard. But anyway, he's he's a terrific writer and very funny. He wrote this piece that's in The National Review now. Uh, What's the headline of this? The Age of Hog and Hominy. And uh, his subtitle is The United States of America Cannot Be Governed by Platitude. And he talks about what he, what uh, actually another author called High Texan Bull S, 
the mother tongue of almost every politician to make it from the Lone Star State to the national stage. Uh, part of the, de- the Texas ritual, this uh, other writer, Edna Ferber, says, We're rich as son-of-a-bitch stew, but look how homely we are. Just as plain folksy as Grandpappy back in 1836. We know about champagne and caviar, but we talk hog in hominy. And uh, and he says it's not Texans, only Texans anymore. All politicians do this. It's it, You know this if you watch cable news. Here's how it works. Um, da, 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 da. In the language of folksy moral certitude, a key phrase is where I come from. This is a phrase used to cr- recruit folks to your cause, whether they like it or not. If a politician wants to say something that is naughty, he doesn't have to argue that it's naughty or to prove its naughtiness, but only needs to say, where I come from, we think that's naughty. And thus the hard, scrabble, honest, working-class cartoons of Scranton or Cleveland or toad-suck Arkansas are reduced to moral ballast for the convenience of some some Harvard-educated millionaire lawyer who is too lazy to sue insurance companies for a living and went to Washington instead. Wow. No surprise that Elizabeth Warren is big on where I come from. And this is an actual quote. Where I come from, nobody calls fine print hidden fees and surprise penalties negotiated contract terms or innovations. On a polite day, my brothers in Oklahoma call that kind of stuff garbage. (laughs) That's pretty funny. In reality, there's a bit more to those legal questions than folksy moral certitude will admit. Which is why those nice gentlemen over at Kirkland and Ellis earn a million dollars a month or so. This is not news to Professor Warren of Harvard Law, where they expect their students to actually learn about contract law, negotiated contract terms and all, and will not accept nuggets of folksy wisdom of her brothers in Oklahoma or her Cherokee princess great-grandmother or whatever as those these are of value. It's very funny. I'll, I'll hit you with a little bit more later, but we'll put a link at armstrongyegetty.com. The Armstrong and Getty Show. If you jump the gun and go into a situation where you have a big spike, you're going to set yourself back. So as painful as it is to go by the careful guidelines of gradually phasing into a reopening, it's going to backfire. I'm not even sure what that conversation means, Mm. though, when you're talking about individual towns let alone counties and states and regions i just right. i don't even know what that I, I don't even know what we're talking about i honestly don't when the president says it or fauci says it or a person asks a question in a press conference what the f are you talking about it's a completely different situation over here than it is over there so i just i don't i don't get it and there are zero people arguing for some sort of blanket anything so it's a ridiculous argument. But, you know, my ear was caught by the doctor, the phrases he was using. You risk having a uh, a setback or uh, or uh, going backward or something. Well, wait a minute now. Wait a minute. The goal at the beginning was to keep the curve from going above our available resources, our ability to help sick people. Although it turns out if you're on, if you they have to put you on a ventilator, Chances are somewhere between 60 and 85% you go to meet the Lord. They can't save you once you're on a ventilator. But having said that, 
the idea was not keeping the number of infected to an absolute minimum, even if it drives us all into abject poverty for the rest of our lives. No, the idea was to keep the curve from going too high. So when he means we'll have a setback, does he mean just more sick people? Or does he mean, like, not enough hospital beds? I wish the media could drill down on those questions and not spend all their time on gotcha questions with Trump. But anyway, a poll came out yesterday, 60% of Americans back stay-at-home restrictions. Nearly 60% of Americans say they're more concerned that loosening stay-at-home measures will cause more spread of the coronavirus than they are about what impact restrictions might have on the U.S. economy. Uh, The way that is phrased would lead me to believe that it's not about overwhelming the hospitals. It's just about spreading the disease. Right. You know, it's funny. I'm looking at a Quinnipiac poll that has different numbers, but, yeah, who knows? Depends how you ask it. Fifty. Yeah, it does. 58% of registered voters worry the country will be too quick to lift the restrictions, leading the virus to spread and to more fatalities. I don't, I'm not afraid of that at all. In me fact, either. I'm afraid of the opposite. Yeah, we exactly. have academics... And, and, and government employees and politicians making all these decisions. They don't give a crap about making a payroll because they don't even know what that means. It's not even a close call overall. So you have 58% worried that the country will be too quick to lift, re- lift restrictions, leading the virus to spread and to more fatalities. Um, by comparison, there were another 32% who are more concerned the country will take too much time to ease restrictions, which will take a toll on the economy. It's 58 to 32. Right. There's right. a partisan divide, as always. You got to wonder how much of this is like beliefs of Democrats and Republicans. Republicans tend to be more pro business, and you know, the Democrats, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Or it's just it's Trump, and Trump says we should open, so it's got to be wrong. So I'm against it, uh, or the other way around. I don't know when people answered this, but there is a breakdown by party lines. Seventy-seven percent of Democratic respondents. Uh, said they're more concerned about the spread of the virus than the economy. Three quarters. It's 50-50, about 50-50 for Republicans, by the way. Mm. Um, well, if you watch the cable news, you get the idea that anybody who's in favor of any slight loosening of restrictions is on the Capitol steps inexplicably with an AK-47 shouting, open it all up now, whereas the vast majority of us that understand the implications of this economic battering are just saying, look, we need that voice at the table. We need the voice of economic growth and and survival at the table. It can't be all the academics and politicians. That was uh, Wall Street Journal NBC polls from uh, numbers from yesterday that we were talking about. Now, on Friday, Gallup had some numbers come out. They had Trump's approval rating at 43. It was down six points from his all-time high of 49 a month earlier. Uh, NBC poll had him at 46, so he's still hanging around about where he usually hangs around. Congress's approval rating, on the um, on the other hand, practically doubled, reaching 30% for the first time in over a decade. Almost wow. doubled their approval rating. U.S. satisfaction with the direction of the country has tumbled 12 points in a month, which is a pretty big drop. Tell you what, if you're pleased with the direction of the country right now... I was going to say that. 30% of Americans are satisfied with the way things are going in the U.S. Who are you? Well, uh, everything's closed, my retirement's gone, and there's a killer virus lurking outside my house. I'm perfectly happy with the way things are going. 
I used Who to live you? in a pit full of rattlesnakes in a drug cartel section of Mexico. <laughs> so this is great. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I, I, clearly, there's a giant chunk of the country you shouldn't ask these questions. I think we're on the right track. Things are going quite well. I approve. <laughs> you know, looking back over my entire life, see, I can't leave my home. <laughs> I might die from weirdo disease and I have no retirement. I'm pretty cool with it. Wow. Good for you. You're, I tell you what, I'm always talking about whiners and people who catastrophize stuff. That is not that person. <laughs> yeah. Good for so you. Are 30% of people just super optimists? Is that what it is? Or are they too stupid to even understand what's going on? That's possible. Oh, uh, boy. I was looking at this article in the Washington Post, getting to the economic stuff, and I don't know what the right number would be. W- would I be willing to sacrifice... 20,000 deaths to avoid another trillion dollars in debt. I don't know what the right number is. But Depends who it is. Well, yeah, obviously. Uh, but the Washington Post has this, had this over the weekend. Record government corporate debt could lead to a tipping point after the pandemic passes. The federal government is on its way this year to spending $4 trillion more than it collects in revenue, analysts say. The reliance on so much debt will leave scars after the pandemic passes for years, maybe decades to come. Oh, good. Eh. That's, well, let's, that's some let's serious put our best stuff. and brightest people on that place, okay? Seeing if we can, uh, 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 you know, head off the worst of those possibilities. Let me read you one paragraph from it. The United States is embarking on a rapid-fire experiment in borrowing without precedent as the government and corporations take on trillions of dollars in debt to offset the economic damage of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, that that's that's some seriously serious stuff right there. I just I just hope it's getting the um attention it deserves. I tell you what, we may have to uh, just uh, do a little trimming around the edges. Sell Florida back to the the Spanish. Uh, New Mexico goes back to regular Mexico. Sell Alaska back to Putin. New We're Me- going to need the cash. New Mexico goes back to regular Mexico. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, Peggy Noonan over the weekend in the Wall Street Journal wrote a little bit. 22 million people have applied Noonan. for unemployment since the pandemic began, and it's going to get worse. This is a never-before-seen level of national economic calamity. History does not get bigger than this. Agreed. I, I hope people recognize on the economic portion just how big this is. And, and there's decisions still being made to make it worse, possibly. There is a sickness out there, Peggy Noonan wrote, but we cannot commit suicide out of fear of dying. We've got to get this thing up and going again. Committed- wow, I need to read that whole column. Oh, That's it's, exactly where I'm coming from. It is really good. Committing suicide out of fear of dying. Uh, whatever you do you know, professionally or for fun, I'll bet you can come up with your own metaphor, but... I know, for instance, in the game of golf, if you're terrified of hitting a bad shot, you'll never hit a good shot. If you're a realtor, and the one thing you must avoid is showing a house to somebody who's not a serious prospect. I mean, if you focus on avoiding the negative, and in this case, we're just so fanatically focused on people not getting sick, which is a noble aim, granted, but I'm afraid, as Peggy is is hinting there, we're going to choke ourselves to death to avoid, you know, inhaling a bad smell, as it were. Gosh, dang it, we got to keep all this stuff in perspective. Yeah. And and the fear porn of the media is not oh. helping, I don't think. Oh, I was going to mention, uh, so w- the different states are trying different things. I saw one state, they're going to open their businesses back up, but it's only 
the like curbside delivery. You can't you no know people coming in your store or whatever. But it's like, well, if you go to Best Buy, Best Buy has been uh, is an essential business. It's been open this whole time, but at least the Best Buys in my neighborhood. When I bought a laptop a weekend ago, um, you either order online or you can walk up to the door and order. The store is closed, and they bring it out to you, and you pay there at a at a pretty carefully controlled little checkout stand. All businesses in there are states that are opening up all businesses that way. That seems like a pretty good uh, model to me. I don't know why that can't be today in everywhere. Right. Right. Yeah, uh, well, and and it's question mark piled on question mark, too. We were chatting about this a little bit earlier today. I was doing my very best to understand everything I could so I could come out of the gate today and advocate, you know, uh, whatever plan for loosening up the economy again or, or, you know, whatever standards ought to be advocated. And just it's all question marks about the fatality rate of this thing, how quickly it spreads, who has it, uh, uh, what it does. The people don't even know why you die when you die. Lack of oxygen to the uh, the organs. Yeah, but why? You're, you're intubated. They're pumping oxygen into your bloodstream. What's going on? Why the kidneys? Why is it causing cardiovascular problem? Why does it do liver damage? There's just so many question marks. But here's one more question mark on top of it. And um, Tel Aviv University in Israel is taking, uh, they plotted the rates of new coronavirus infections in the U.S., U.K., Sweden, Italy, Israel, uh, Switzerland, France, Germany, and Spain. That's pretty thorough. And the numbers told a shocking story. Irrespective of whether the country quarantined like Israel or went about business as usual like Sweden, coronavirus peaked and subsided in the exact same way. That 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 has got to be the lesson that comes out of this thing for the next one. Well, I got to admit, maybe it's just you know I'm I'm in a war footing or, or or something. But I read that and think, hmm, I wonder if I can depend on that that science and that oh, yeah. math and the right. rest of it because there's so many question marks. But uh, so this doctor who is in charge, uh, Professor Yitzhak Ben Israel of Tel Aviv University, his graphs show that all countries experience seemingly identical coronavirus infection patterns, and the number of infected peaked. Uh, in the sixth week and rapidly subsided by the eighth week. The Wuhan virus follows its own pattern, he told an Israeli news agency. It is a fixed pattern that is not dependent on freedom of quarantine. There is a decline in the number of infections, even in countries without closure, and it is similar to the countries with closures. Now, you know, I'd like to look at that math. I want to check, uh, are there learned people commenting on this study and and pointing out flaws to it? I don't know, folks. Evidence is not uh, proof, but I do find it uh, uh, troubling that that nobody's talking about this, this idea. The idea that, look, the Chinese bat coronavirus scientists were sloppy, irresponsible, and unethical, and the Chinese communists covered up, and that will kill hundreds of thousands of people. But there's nothing we can do about it now, or at least not much. And we just have to live through it. Let's not crush our economy while we live through it. I don't know. I wish I knew the answer. So we got some teachers weighing in on the text line with uh, how the teaching the kids is going, or parents, how is that uh, going from your end? Oh, I'll have to read that funny tweet I saw about that over the weekend, about what it's like to have your, <laughs> be a parent with kids in these online classes. <laughs> it's not easy. Yeah. Among other things, oh, uh, pot usage, another uh, another good study on pot usage. You'll be shocked it's what's happening with pot usage with more people staying home. I think it, wait <laughs> a second. I won't. I'll bet you won't. <laughs> That's next. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. 
dress so fine Do the bumps of dime in your prime Then you Moments in time said a private collector is selling the one-page sheet of lyrics to The Times They Are A-Changin' for $2.2 million. Previously, the handwritten lyrics to Like a Rolling Stone fetched a then-world record $2 million in 2014. $2 million for handwritten lyrics. Wow. Is there a reason Dylan didn't just hang on to those? Uh, for then? I don't know how they ended up out in the public. Maybe he donated them to charity and then somebody sold them. I have no idea. But You know, I was just rereading chunks of his autobiography, which is just so strange in a lot of ways. Really enjoyable, but odd. And his relationship with his fame, he dis- he mostly despised his, his fame and his achievements. Especially that the early period where, you know, the, the boomer crowd made him the voice of the generation. I don't want to be the voice of your generation. I have no interest in it. Quit asking me. <laughs> Right. Which is right. really interesting. Oh, speaking of Bob Dylan, and, you know, I'd, I'd buy those if I had unlimited money, because that's so incredibly cool. Um, but it's just a question of how much money you have. Not the times they are it. changing. I'm so played on that. I just, uh, sorry. I don't want They are a changing, Jack. Like a Rolling Stone, not about those. I got into Visions of Johanna over the weekend. For some reason, yeah. I'd never listened to that song in my entire really? life. Yeah. And now, wow. and now I'm on a kick. I've listened to, like, 15 different versions 50 times. Over the mm. weekend, I've been craving art lately. Mm. I think it's this nonstop onslaught, uh, onslaught of like facts, whether yeah. it's economic yeah. numbers and everything else. So I was craving art, and I, I went Dylan. Oh, hey, speaking of Bob Dylan, um, hey Sean, do you have that thing I sent to you earlier? Yeah, sure listen do. to the listen to this. This is Bob Dylan singing the Book of Genesis. And then God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. So, listen, obviously that's of just... The Bible! Okay, that's right, sir. (laughs) Okay, quality, that's entirely computer-generated. Oh, okay. That's, That's just... Using his vowels and his his consonants and a computer spitting out, there's Bob singing the book of Genesis, which he's never done as far as I know in his life. And it's just I, the only reason we're playing that is the whole generating something out of nothing so and is, having it sound authentic is getting close. Similar technology to when they had Joe Rogan talking about monkey monkeys playing hockey. Right. Where they just... <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I was crushed when I realized that was not authentic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we all As were. Joe, monkey hockey is uh, well <laughs> talking about something to think about. Bob Dylan and monkey hockey is pretty a good lead into uh, the latest study on dope smokers. Oh, before we get to that, can I just say sure. something really quickly to finish up that study about the uh, the Israeli study about uh, all the different countries and the way they've handled the coronavirus, and there's practically no difference between how it progressed and peaked and, and started to diminish, no matter whether they went crazy hardcore crackdown like Israel or practically nothing like uh, was it Sweden or Denmark? Um, doesn't matter. One of your one of your cold weather countries with blonde women and skiing. Anyway, hmm. um. But their conclusion was not to do nothing. It was that you have very little variation between just reasonably cautious social distancing and masks and that sort of thing and total shutdowns. Their results were almost the same. So we really need to 
to talk seriously about loosening up and getting the economy going. Anyway, having said that, I, I believe you are going to light up a bowl, Jack. Uh, I'm not. Uh, but As the uh, drug fiends say. Some of your dope smokers are increasing their marijuana use, according to this latest weekly study. Shocking. Uh, about a third have increased their marijuana consumption. About a little over a third have stayed the same. 14% less than usual. 7% don't know, which is a, <laughs> such a great stoner answer. I don't know. I'm just stoned. You smoking more dope or less since you're uh, locked in your house all the time? I, I Smoke know. it till I'm really, really high. And then f- full 14% preferred not to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not telling you, man. None of your business. Are you a narc? You look like a cop. Um, Stoners, which brings us to skateboarders, which brings us to municipalities, including L.A., plowing sand into skateboard parks to make sure nobody skates. You've got to be kidding. I am not kidding. Wow. You just made a sandbox. Now people are just going to play a different game. You going to try and tell me that this isn't people with power falling in love with their power? I think it is. It's absolutely what's happening. And California, where clearly it's not happened the way it's going to what has happened other places. Yay, right. you did it. You beat it. You flattened the curve. So now you're cracking down more? We're adjusting the goalposts, moving the posts, as they say. That is really something. I did have a couple of texts I want to get to uh from people who are dealing with the online schooling thing. If you have kids, that's uh, taking up a lot of your day every single day. I talked to a teacher who said, "Yeah, it's taking up a lot of our day every single day too. Even if we only do 1 hour of online classroom, there's like Nine hours of tech help and password resets oh, and that sort God. of stuff. Doesn't that sound like a good time? Oh. If you're a fourth grade English teacher or something? Oh, my God. <laughs>